Hey guys, and welcome to yet another session of e-conversations. I'm Ashmar Kheder, and I'm your host for today. I'm accompanied by my co-host, Binjong. Hi. To- today, we are going to look at behavioral economics, which is a pretty recent economic theory that defies a lot of the old economic models. Ashima, would you like to tell us m- more about what the behavioral economics is? Oh, yes, of course. Um, Simply putting it, it talks about and it looks at how uh, the psychological, social and emotional factors influence our decision making. So if we ideally in an economy, it is the assumption is made by most of the economic models that um, humans will behave rationally and will look at their own personal gain and will try to maximize that. However, often that's not the case. For instance, often emotions or impulsiveness and other um, factors contribute, which lead to which lead to in, irrational behavior, and that is what uh, behavioral economics uh, talks about, and it explains how people actually make decisions. So, if you, for example, if you look uh, at, um, if we look at the law of demand, it says that if price uh, decreases, the demand will increase, keeping other variables, uh, other factors that contribute demand uh, to demand uh, other price determinants constant right however if you look at uh, for instance uh, for the price of cheese decreases significantly it does not necessarily mean that the demand will increase it can also decrease because people may have um, may think that uh, the quality of cheese is very bad and therefore uh, the price of the cheese is so so low and that could lead to a decrease in demand which would mean that the law of demand isn't fulfilled here and it is actually against the, it's contrary to the law of demand. Um, so that's what I had to say about it. Um, why don't you share with us some critical points that the theory suggests? Some of the major points that the theory says are the three common bounded rationality, self-control and selfishness of the human. It basically suggests that the humans are limited to those factors, those three factors, which are rationality, self-control, and selfishness. So, for instance, when you think of, when you try to think of only yourself and be selfish, you have limits to it. You can't just, like, think 100% about yourself. You always think about others, such as your family or friends, when you make decisions to buy something or to provide some services or goods. Um, I completely agree with you, yeah. and I want to know from you if you have experienced this yourself, maybe some personal examples uh, where you have felt this way, where you felt that you were irrational. Yes, of course. I have, from three of these, I have experienced myself bounded self-control. I guess everyone has experienced the kind of thing, the same kind of thing. When I try to do some school homework, I always procrastinate, which shows that I have limited ability to control myself. Have you experienced any sorts of things? I completely agree with you. I think I'm the queen of procrastination. Um, <laughs> and I do believe that when you do look at, like, for instance, you'll make certain 
uh, plans, but at the end of the day, you don't fulfill them, or you'll be like, okay, I'm going to do this, this, this today, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, you only get like one or two things ticked if you're actually like that. Also, if you're lucky, I mean, yeah. sometimes you do get all them all ticked, but it depends on the day, what you're feeling, the mood. So it it kind of depends if um, you are not always rational and you do uh, have those fluctuations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I also believe that I have, um, uh, when I do, uh, one of the other things that I find very interesting is how uh, products are actually sold as well. Uh, yeah. Like, for instance, how they're framed, which causes me to buy certain products. They can be like, okay, it's going to, 90% it's going to work, but we still buy it because it's a larger percentage than maybe like 10% it won't work. So way, the way it's structured, for instance, uh, on a cream or something, it will be like 90% it will work to remove, for example, acne. But you're still going to use it, even though you know that 10% is not going to work the way it's framed 90% because it seems like a larger percentage to us I would buy this cream yeah yeah of course um Um, so moving on uh what are your views on behavioral economics otherwise so I personally think it's a really essential recent economic theories because it allows the study of the people's decision makings to be more credible and hence to makes the predictions of the future trends more accurate in terms of people's um, choices and and the impact of people's choices on the society as a whole. Also, behavior economics, like we mentioned before, defies a lot of old economic theories and models. And hence, it opens up the path for new theories or models to the upcoming economists. So... Like it gives chances to people to come up with better economic models, which come up with better economic models that can fight the current simplified models, if you got what I mean. I do, I do agree with you. Um, I do believe that it's very complex and it adds a layer of complexity to the whole um, economy and the way it runs. Uh, but I do think it can be extremely beneficial because it can be used by firms or government to get things done. For instance, if you're looking at government intervention, rather than give, like imposing or putting the uh, imposing taxes or giving subsidies, um, or put it like using other methods to combat a particular issue, they can actually look at, uh, for example, they can use nudge theory. So if you're looking at nudge theory, they can um, they can ask all schools to put salads first and desserts later. Maybe um, so. What would happen in that case were, would be that children would go and maybe fill their plate on uh, fill up on salad because their plate will be full of salad, and then as they go down, they won't have any more space for uh, dessert. Or maybe they can put it at a place that's not so convenient. So uh, maybe salads could be at an eye level or other healthy foods could be at an eye level and other unhealthy foods such as sweet foods or like desserts could be um, a little away. So people, children wouldn't actually want to go and make the effort to get a dessert, right? Yeah. So this, can be, this is known as nudge theory, which is basically uh, when you make people act a certain way without changing any of the options available to them. So all the options are available to them 
them. They can eat everything that's around them. But usually as humans, we would we are too lazy to even go further down to grab something or go for another play. Often that's the case. So um, with this, they can actually deal with issues such as obesity uh, in young children. So this could reduce that because consumptions of, uh, consumption of des- dessert by school children could actually decrease uh, due to this and could have an impact. And I believe that when research was done, they did notice that it did decrease uh, consumption of desserts uh, when this was applied. Or if we're also looking at, for instance, plastic bag consumption, often if you are like, okay, we'll give you something in return if you get your own bag, people wouldn't want to do that. But if you say something like, I'm going to cut 10 cents for every bag or 3 cents for every bag and you have to pay for it for an extra plastic bag, people would uh, try to get their own bag or not even use the plastic bag because they hate the idea of losing. They don't want to lose those extra 3 cents for no reason. So that can actually cause it decrease in plastic bag consumptions and government can ask or tell uh, firms to do this and they can use their command and control to do the same, right? Yeah. Do you have some other examples that you would like to share with us? Um, talking about the nudge theory, there is this concept of uh, making a choice compulsory at first if the people doesn't choose, if the people unless people choose this to opt out. For example, it's a very classic example for this behavior economic theory. <clears throat> um, it's about making the organ donation compulsory for everyone unless you choose to opt out before you um, go to the hospitals or similar places. In most of the countries for now, not donating the organs are the opt-in choice are the normal choices that they have set it as the first choice. So it takes people's effort to sign the contract to donate their organs, which discourages them to donate them. However, if you make the, if you make donating organs as the, your first choice, as a primary choice, then it would take more time or effort to sign the contract on contrast to not to donate your organs, which would encourage the number of people donating their organs and hence get more spare organs for further surgeries that might be necessary in the future. I do get what you're saying, actually. Um, so that happens with phone companies as well, that where they make you sign up for the entire year or something. And to probably um, cancel the, I think, the cancel the subscription or the service, you have to go through so many steps that people are rather like, okay, I'll just use it. You know, it's not that bad. Yeah. Let me not uh, unsubscribe. So it's not going to be. So sometimes firms also use the same to get things done where you have only, you've taken, uh, where you, it sounds like a very good deal and you've taken a subscription for the whole year, but you can't cancel it very easily. So people just go along with it. Mm-hmm. I don't wish. I believe yeah. it's also used in Netflix where you try the free trial for the first month month, and if you don't opt out by emailing them, then your subscription would go on with the paid paid subscription. That's true because often people forget or they're like yeah. too like lazy to do it. They're like, okay. And also while coming to that, um uh I think companies also use something called a psycho psychological some uh, like psychological um 
I think theory or something like that, where they actually price it in a price it in a way. For instance, they'll be like a uh, hundred bucks uh, or hundred rupees per month, where it may not sound very much to a normal person. But if you actually look at it, twelve hundred rupees per year, which is a lot for people uh, who have low incomes, right? Yeah. So ideally, won't sound a lot if you structure or if you frame it. It's actually called framing. So if you frame it in a certain way, you're framing it. It's hundred hundred rupees per month, but ideally would come out to be 1200 rupees per year which is a lot for some people mm-hmm. um so if you look at that um uh, sometimes they use the same so then more people can think that it's much more affordable for them and hence they would subscribe or buy the subscription um when we also look at that uh companies also frame for example then you'll often notice that they say something like uh 40 49.99 they won't say 50 even though it's 50 and you often won't get the change they're going to say 49.99 probably rupees rather than 50 rupees um and i think it's almost to make people assume that oh 49.99 is a better deal than 50 so let me buy at 49.99 so but often uh this is usually used by discounted stores which actually have discounts but if you look at um maybe like um luxury brands or something you would often notice that they wouldn't have uh they wouldn't look at cents they would only look at for example it will just be like two thousand dollars or something uh they wouldn't actually look they would look at the whole number because that would create or establish a reputation for them that their product is of a higher quality than other discount stores yeah it's quite interesting actually yes it is um yeah <laughs> adding on to the Framing parts of the behavior economics, there is also something called anchoring. It is when people compare a new set of information to the first piece of first piece of information that they came across with. For instance, if you, um, for instance, if you shop in the Amazon, they always give you the initial price and the discounted price. So people tend to see the initial price first, which becomes their first piece of information, and the discounted price later, which is their second piece of information. So people tend to compare the second price to the first one and hence feel that the discounted price is, is relatively cheaper to the, to the initial price. Although that initial price might necessarily be the actual price of the good or service that you are trying to purchase. I totally agree with you. I've seen people, I think I've seen people do that because then they're like, the actual price should be, for example, 1500 but they showed that the initial price was 2000 and then it came down to 1500 So people think that they've got a good deal. Yeah. But often that's not the case. They've just got the same deal, but it's like framed to them in a certain way. Yes. And I think one of the other things they also use is like a timer, like, oh, oh my God, only like 20, good, 20 yeah. pieces left, five pieces left. So people feel like they need to buy it very quickly before they lose uh, track of it, even though they might have a lot of inventory, like they might have a lot of stock. Um, I think at, at their factories, they, they show it in a way that people want to buy it at that moment. Yeah. Um, while we also look at that, um, while you were talking, because you were talking about information, it came to my head that often the often we uh, act this ways because we don't have complete information. We have asymmetric information, or sometimes information is hidden uh, from us, uh, from producers or like governments or uh, anyone for that matter, or even we're too lazy to actually go and probably research on a particular product, yeah. which causes us not to act irrationally. Mm-hmm. 
when you look at it, there's so many factors that contribute to our irrational behavior. Yeah. Not many that contribute to our rational behavior. Also, with the imperfect information, there is quite a paradoxical point because as the time um, passed on, there we had the um, a lot of significant technological developments which made us to have further access to the information than we used to have in the past. However, people find it much harder to find information now than back then because they have so much information available that they can't compare like all the choices by themselves. Yeah, and it's hard to stuff to everything. Yeah. Especially. I think it's very hard. Do you also have to check what is credible, what is not credible because people yeah. don't put any um that's not credible up there as well. So uh that's the end of our conversation. And I believe that now you all can also start spotting behavioral economics around you and see how it impacts your decision making. Um, it was lovely to chat with you and Jung, and I hope to talk to all of you soon. Thank you. It was very interesting talk. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. See you soon. Bye.